This week I had the pleasure of sitting down with Caitlin Kerrigan, the woman in charge of making sure we faculty fellows and our site hosts can actually do our thing. One of the big things we actually kind of gloss over in this is the idea that failure is not necessarily a bad thing. And it made me think of all the turning points in our lives, maybe even the little decisions that end up putting us in places that we never, ever thought we'd end up. What might seem like a small thing today could turn into a life-changing moment. You might be able to look back from where you are today and see a simple straight line from A to Z. But if you went back to A and tried to imagine Z from there, it most likely ain't happening. So as you listen to Caitlin's experiences, and maybe one day I'll do my own, remember that. Change is weird. It's unexpected but hardly ever completely bad. Look at every divergent point as an opportunity, and you'll do just fine. And on that note, here's episode 29 with Caitlin Kerrigan. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. But anyway, I get, we're just we're rambling on. Why don't you uh, tell folks who you are? And I think there's a lot of people listening that probably already know. But for those that don't, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would happy be happy to introduce myself. Uh, my name's Caitlin Kerrigan. I uh, am an employee here at the University of Arizona. My current title is coordinator of faculty programs, and oftentimes people don't quite know what that means. And <laughs> a lot of it is reinventing that and kind of um, getting students connected to faculty in unique and awesome ways. Um, so I oversee two programs. I oversee the Faculty Fellows, which is what Dr. Strait is a part of, and that is a program where we have about 60 faculty from across campus, all over campus, uh, who come together and build a community with each other, but then they're also stationed at all these different sites across campus. So all the cultural centers, all the resource centers, um, UA South, uh, we also have them at uh, the dorms. All of the dorms have a faculty fellow. And the point of the program is to really make faculty fun. <laughs> Approachable, they're humans, <laughs> they drink coffee, they go to the grocery store, they report, record podcasts, they do it all. And so um, I think oftentimes students are pretty intimidated by faculty, and uh, it's really building that bridge between the two and making sure that, that students feel comfortable talking to their faculty. But um, what else about me? Um, I'm also currently a student, so I'm a student at NAU. I'm at Northern Arizona University and in their doctoral program in educational leadership. So I'm in my second semester, and um, I'm feeling for all, you, all of you just <laughs> learning how to be a student again and also um, in hybrid classes. So redefining what my own experience was as an undergrad in my master's program where I was really on campus in classes 24-7. Um, this time around, it's a hybrid program. So I drive up to Phoenix and Flagstaff in the summertime, and I sit in classes on Friday night and Saturday morning. And it's, uh, we do that for three weekends for each class, and then the rest of the time is from a distance. Um, so really trying to figure out how to motivate myself, um, <laughs> how to set deadlines, how to get my tasks done. So yeah, that's important to me. Um, I would say that's one of my really salient identities right now is being a student. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a job. It is a job. It's absolutely a job. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we talk about being a student pretty lightly. Um, just in general, I, I think like it's like, oh, you're a student, cool. But it's really a, a sense of responsibility for me to get my work done, to do it well, and really having to give up the fun in my life sometimes, like <laughs> playing a board game or... Theory is fun. I theory do love a good fun. theory. I really do. <laughs> I would say some of my top theories are marginality and mattering, sense of belonging, <laughs> um, Schlossberg's transition. So yeah, I'm all about theory. I'm a total nerd. Yeah. Um, I hope your advisor's listening to this. <laughs> 
Me too. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm also, um, I've been at U of A for about three years now, so I was a community director for a couple of years, which means I ran a dorm of 518-year-olds, so I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit throughout this podcast. Um, Feel free now, if you want. Yeah. I mean, if that's where you want to go. Yeah, yeah well, trying to think And we can come back to the student thing, because I... Yeah. Yeah, that interests me. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's it was a fun job. Uh, I guess I kind of want to start from, like, my own journey in higher education, if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I And that's, you know, we talked about this a bit on the way over here. That's, yeah. It's one of the things that I like doing with this, and one of the reasons I do it is because I love people's stories. You know, I want to know how they got to where they are Yeah. today. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they don't know where they're going from here. And that's okay. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's where I'm perfect. at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I was I was born in New Mexico, and I moved to Oregon when I was 11. So Oregon is home for me. Um, when it was time for me to start thinking about college, um, I was a pretty good student in high school. You know, did did well enough. I um, had a pretty good GPA. And uh, my dad had worked at a small liberal arts college, and we had a partnership with all the local um, small liberal arts colleges in the region. So I kind of knew that college was going to be a thing for me, and I was going to go to a small liberal arts college. (laughs) Um, So I ended up attending Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon, which is small. (laughs) I've never heard of it. Um, Sorry, Pacific University. (laughs) No, no, no slight at all. Um, It's a hidden little gem in Oregon. Um, And... You know, I started with this thought process of, I think a lot of incoming first-year students is, I'm going to be a doctor because I want to help people. Mm. I want to help people. What can I do that will help people? Oh, medicine. Like, yeah, I can literally touch someone and heal them. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I was so close-minded on other options of what does helping people mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, I did decent my first semester. You know, I got like a 3-0. It wasn't terrible. It was it, it was bad for me because I had been pretty much a straight-A student in high school. But adjusting to college, I kind of chalked it up of like, okay, it's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better. I'm going to improve. So my second semester, I took um, chem, calcul- calculus, and biology at the same time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you could say, you could tell how well that went. Um, I also was taking um, Spanish and band, a huge band geek right here. So uh, just throwing that out there <laughs> to my band people. Um, but I quickly learned that as I was sitting through my chemistry class, I just like, ugh, I hated studying it. I wasn't good at it. I really resented my professors for making a, a exam the day after Halloween. Like I was, oh. just, I remember sitting in the library on Halloween night studying and just being like, this is the worst. I <laughs> don't understand anything I'm studying. Blah, blah. Um, and so, yeah, the second semester, I, um, I wasn't willing to admit that I wasn't good at this. <laughs> That's a hard thing to do. Very hard. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. I was so set on this idea of doctor, 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 and this is what I have to do. Um, but I, by the end of the spring semester, um, I think it really, the top of the cherry for me was, uh, it was exam day for chemistry, uh, my final exam. And I was studying, I'd woken up, I was trying to kind of understand what I didn't understand. And I got a text from a friend said, where are you? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm in my room, I'm studying. She's like, the final is right now. I was like, what? <laughs> so. <laughs> this is like, this is like a, a TV series or a movie or something. That only oh, happens. Yeah, in, yeah. That never happens in the real world. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it does. Uh, <laughs> it Apparently. Does. It does to me. Uh, and so I, um, of course, sprinted over and I did not great on my final and was pretty devastated. Um, calculus was a, eh. chemistry was terrible. Biology was, eh. Um, and so I kind of was pretty sad about it. And um, my dad has been in higher education for a long time. And um, what he did, which this was like the most brilliant piece of parenting slash counseling advice I think I've gotten in my time. Um, my dad just happened to be both. And so I brought my, my like report card or whatever it was. And I just was like in tears and I just like put it on the desk in front of him. I was like, please look at this. Um, <laughs> I can't bear to tell you what grade I got. And he opens it up and he goes, so dramatic. <laughs> I know it's funny. Cause I'm really like not that dramatic of a person. I don't, I don't see myself as that. Um, but I opened it and I, and he says, huh, 
and he reached down into his drawer and he pulled out his own report card from when he was a freshman. And he had done the exact same thing that I did, except worse. He had like crashed and burned in yeah. all of his classes. He was put into a math class he wasn't supposed to be in, his chemistry class, biology, it all was just like, no, this isn't working. Um, and so I quickly learned, and he says, uh, I have a PhD, like things will be okay. Um, it's okay if you fail, it's okay if you make a mistake, mm-hmm. but now it's time to figure out what will work for you. And also, um, how to get over that disappointment in yourself and uh, the the idea of failure and what that means for students. Um, and in my young life, I was at 18 at the time, I just, I was so devastated. <laughs> so that summer, um, you know, I was home, I was working. And when I came back, um, my freshman year, I really like just hung out with my friends in our dorm room. Like I didn't do anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of studied, not really. Um, and I hung out with my friends. And so when I came back, I was I was really determined to get involved and to do something. Um, so I had sought out a hall council because I was still living on campus. Um, I was a tour ambassador, so I was giving people tours and I was an orientation leader. Um, I joined a sorority, fun fact, I don't think anyone would guess that I was in a sorority, but Delta Chi Delta, Pacific <laughs> University local chapter. <laughs> um, so, so you're spread thin, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I was, it was manageable yeah. though. Um, you know, I, I don't know about other people, but for me, being busy helps keep me organized and it keeps me on track. Um, so I was finding my purpose in a, in a place on campus that was beneficial for me. And my academics, I was still gung-ho on chemistry. Like I was like, no, I'm just, I'm still gonna do it. I'm gonna mm-hmm. retake Gen Chem 1 so I can be prepared for Gen Chem 2. But in the meantime, I was also taking intro to psych and sociology. And I was just realizing in both those classes, like, whoa, I like this so much better. This is way better. I'm much better at this myself. Like, I'm actually good at this. I can comprehend what this means. And so when psychology um, kind of came into the picture, I was there was this professor that I just, like, idolized. Her name was Dr. Heidi Island. I'll have to send this um, podcast to her because we're still in touch. And she gave this talk, and I was like, wow, I want her to be my, my advisor or my, you know, my thesis person or whoever. Um, and I went up to her and was like, hi, will you be my advisor? And uh, I had made an appointment with her, and I told her, yeah, I want to I help people. And she's like, and? <laughs> and do what with that? Like, do you think being a doctor is the only thing that you can do to help people? Like, do you like psychology? Do you like this? So she was really the one that kind of challenged me to think differently. Um, and realize like I could still do something medical e without having to get an MD or a physician assistant like be mm-hmm. in like an actual like medical field. And so she says, "Are you a psychology major? Because I only advise psychology majors." And I was like, "No." And the next day, I went to the registrar and just became a psychology major. <laughs> like, can I? Yeah. <laughs> can I be? Yeah. Um, and so I really shifted gears that uh, that fall semester of my sophomore year, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a psych major." Um, and I didn't do great in intro psych because it was kind of a big class, but um, I liked it enough to, to kind of pursue it and push through. And so my focus was on um, physiological psychology and neuroscience. Hmm. Um, so I still kind of got that medical e-field, which is what I thought I really loved. Um, and it was fascinating learning about the brain, seeing what different disorders there were, what's responsible for what function in your body, um, sensation and perception. We did all these really cool labs. Um, Dr. Island, if you're out there, she was a phenomenal professor um, and really shaped me to be a really excellent student. Um, and then you enter in Dr. Allison Burns Glover, who is also one of my longtime um, mentors and friends. Uh, we're still friends on Facebook, and she does social psych, and she is a bomb. <laughs> she's a boss. She's just <laughs> she's just amazing. I don't even I can't even say like enough good things about Dr. Glover because um, she would call herself Dr. Boo. That was her email. Dr. Boo at PacificU.edu. I'm sure it's still the same. Um, can't forget that. Can no. <laughs> and she she was just one of those professors that would really take the time to sit down with their students and ask them about their day, what they're doing, go over their writing, um, and. Uh, I was able to switch gears for my thesis and I actually did it with her instead of Dr. Island, although that was also a good option, but my, I was finding that my interests were pulling me more towards the social psych instead of neuroscience. And so, um, yeah, I, I can't say good enough things about the professors at Pacific. Um, I really, I work at a big school now, but I definitely feel like my heart is at small liberal arts colleges. Um, I really love them. I feel like they're a great place to build connections with faculty and staff. Um, and students also, your like colleagues. Um, and so I just, I can't say enough good things about Pacific um, and my upbringing there. So. Um, Lots of connections that I'm seeing 
Yeah. <laughs> so your history and, and, where, and, what I do. and where we are now. That's, yeah, that's, exactly. And like what I do um, now, my main job, if I could like sum it into one sentence, is um, build connections between faculty and students so that they can have a positive experience where they feel like they matter and they belong to someone and that they can get the most out of their college experience. Mm-hmm. I could sum it up. So yeah, that's um, my college journey. Um, I don't think many people know that I went to Ecuador for a year. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I went to Ecuador for a year, yeah. Uh, after I graduated, I was kind of like uh, just wondering what should I do? I don't really know. Um, I'd been able to do a couple of short-term study abroad trips in college, but I really wanted to go spend some time at a different country. Uh, so I started doing some research, and Dr. ABG, Dr. Boo, um, <laughs> she gave me a book called, uh, what was it called? Um, oh, my gosh. It's going to bug me. Uh it was about empowering women through um, through education, essentially mm-hmm. worldwide. Well, so when, I'll put it in the show notes when you, because I'm sure you'll email yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sure, like, I'm sure I I'll the, it. yeah. <laughs> I woke up at two o'clock in the morning, like yeah. the name of the book, just yelling. Half the sky. That's what it's called. Half it's called the Half the Sky. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so it's a, essentially a series of stories about women who have improved their conditions in life through um, education. So they talked about like. Uh, microfinances in Bolivia and how women are able to pull themselves, um, you know, educate themselves and and create a bit of income so that they can leave like an abusive spouse or something like Mm. that. Or educating women about um, fistulas in Africa um, during childbirth and like how you can um, really mitigate that by educating people. (laughs) Um, So I saw that book and I actually saw a chapter that said like more people should go teach abroad. And I was like, well, I don't really have a job. I don't have anything going on. Um, (laughs) It's true. I have a college degree now. (laughs) I should have a job, but whatever it is what it is. And so I realized that um, I wanted to spend a year in Ecuador. And I looked up a couple organizations. I ended up going with one called World Teach. And I went to a town called Ambato. And so uh, I, was, I went in August, and I was there till August. I did a full year there. And uh, I say it was arguably one of the best years of my life. Um, I had a great time in Ecuador. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> it was so fun. And what, else, what did I do? I mean, I taught adults uh, English at a trade school. So it was a really unique experience. Um, we, spent a, we spent a month in Quito. We kind of got acclimated to um, Ecuador and the culture, and we stayed with um, a family. And then we would come and do training for a month to kind of build our little cohort and just also our teaching skills because obviously none of us had really taught at that point in time. <laughs> and so after a month, we were able to go to our actual sites. And so I was in a town called Ambato. It was about 200,000 people um, up in the mountains. Big. Yeah, it was pretty big. And um, there were probably like 10 white people in this town. Um, so really different than Quito, where Quito is like... Uh, they have a neighborhood called Gringolandia <laughs> because there's a lot of people that stay there. They're visitors, they're tourists. There's nothing wrong with that. But I was kind of looking for like something a little more Ecuadorian, mm-hmm. um, to say the least. Uh, and so I was able to, there were two sites in Ecuador. There was one called uh, at a university, and then there was one called SECAP, which is S-E-C-A-P. And so my friend Christian and I, uh, we were at SECAP together, and this was a trade school. Um, <laughs> it was... Frustrating, fun, and super fulfilling. <laughs> My three F words. <laughs> um, because we had students that were opting to come to these classes. They were adults that were choosing to be in class for like three hours, Monday through Thursday night for a whole module. Um, and they were really interested in English. They had probably taken English classes before, but those classes were mostly taught by Ecuadorians who weren't native speakers. So they were like jumping like to get an experience with the a native, a native speaker, speaker yeah. yeah, an American. The holy grail uh, of, of yeah. foreign language learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't have a curriculum. There was no book. Um, we didn't really have anything. <laughs> <laughs> My first class, I was supposed to have 30 and 60 people showed up. And I was like, uh, this is <laughs> going to be a problem. <laughs> um, and it, they, it was interesting. Their, their kind of philosophy was like, oh, a lot of people show up on the first day, but people are going to drop. So you'll be fine. You'll be okay. <laughs> it's the same everywhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, you know, it'll be good. Don't worry about it. Um, and it, it did dwindle down. So that was good, I guess. I, I don't want people to leave the class, but it was also nice that I could kind of control a class of 30 versus 60. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, where do you start? What do you teach someone the first time that they're learning English? I was like, uh, no book, no curriculum. Yeah. 
hello. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers, colors, um, the verbs to be, to have, to walk, to all the like very basic things. So I was pretty proud of myself by the time we were done with um, that semester because like we had gotten pretty far. Um, and we were able to do things like a Halloween party, but it was also tied with their Dia de los Puntos, which is like their Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a Halloween party, but they also brought this drink called Colada Morada, which is like a, a, a thick purple oatmeal fruit drink that they drink. Um, and then they had Wawa de Pan, which is these um, baby breads. They like make they make bread in the shape of a baby because it's like a it's kind of like Dia de los Niños like it's like a, a day of the kids mm. um, so anyway Ecuador was a trip I got to travel all over the country my host family was amazing we lived like an hour from an active volcano so <laughs> so no, no no stress there right <laughs> oh I had a great time no I really wasn't that stressed I had like the best time of my life there but it's funny I remember looking out the window one day and being like oh my gosh the volcano is like erupting right now and the students are like, eh, it gives us allergies. Like, there's this ash that falls. Like, <laughs> I'm like, there's a volcano. <laughs> and so, um, and you could see lava coming out of it and everything. And so my students, I was like making a big deal out of it. And they said, do you want to go see the volcano? And I was like, yes. So we canceled class <laughs> and we went over to the volcano. We actually like drove over there. Um, awesome. And it was fascinating. It was like a thunder in the ground. So you could feel the mm. ground rumbling. Um, and... Anyway, it was it was just it was really a really awesome experience, and um, we had a lot of friends who were kind of stationed throughout Ecuador, so we could go travel, go visit people, and then uh, I also got to do Peru, which was really cool. Um, we did three weeks in Peru with my friend Krishna in Asia. So, yeah, it was a time of discovery, growth, trying something new, going somewhere different, like completely different, um, and yeah, I had the time of my life, but. I, in late fall, I was starting to think like, okay, what's, what's next after this? Because I could see myself here a year or two, maybe three. Mm. Um, and I started reaching out to my community directors who, or my resident directors, they're one and the same from Pacific. And I said, I want to do what you do. Cause I was an RA and I loved it. I thought it was so fun. I know you have these jobs. Like, how did you get that job? And so they were like, well, you have to go get a degree in student affairs. I said, uh, what is student affairs? <laughs> and what do you mean by have to? <laughs> it's like, I have no idea what that means. And so started doing some research and um, found my real passion area, which like, don't get me wrong. I love psychology. I love teaching English. Um, but student affairs was my jam. That's like my sweet spot. So well, I'm sure there's a bit of overlap that you can see. A lot of it. Regardless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of overlap. And so um, I was just looking at my own experiences in college of, I did love being a student, but I also loved just being involved, being active. And so I reached out to this, to my RDs and they're like, yeah, you should apply for a student affairs program. So I had applied um, to Oregon State. It was the only school I applied to because my host family got rid of the Wi-Fi right as I was applying for um, my <laughs> programs, which I was like, okay, great. I guess Oregon State it is. Um, That's rough. It was, yeah, it was good. You know, it, it actually worked out really well. Um, I'm kind of, things kind of fall into place whether you plan them or not. Um, and I, I was able to do all my interviews via Skype. The Wi-Fi was back up at that point. Um, and so I got accepted. And at that point, I was like, man, I would love to have stayed a little, like another year. Can I defer? And they said, no, you can't defer. If you're going to come, you're going to come now. Um, and so in July, you know, packed up all my stuff, said my goodbyes, and I came back to Oregon and really had a an experience of culture shock coming back to the States. I feel like it was um, different. It was more intense coming back to the States than going to Ecuador for me. I have heard that. I, I have a friend uh, here in Tucson that was a principal at a school, mm-hmm. a, I can't remember, public, private, charter, something like that, joined the, was it Peace Corps? He joined something, mm-hmm. one of those kind of ship you off to a place for a sure. year or two, you know. And he he says exactly that. He says, whenever I come back, that's so much harder yeah. than acclimating to there. Yeah. Because it's just it's just so loud and it's busy and there's options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when you live in a place like that, there's yeah. not a lot of options. You just have what you have and you learn to deal with it. But when you come back and you go to Walmart and you just look around like I just, I, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I just give me a corner shop. 
<laughs> and you know, it's funny. I feel like a lot of the times Americans, and I say Americans as in people who are from the United States, because in Ecuador they were like, you know, we're also Americans. We're South Americans. I was like, oh, fair enough. Eurocentric, um, just yeah. our own uh, sphere of influence of just thinking about ourselves. Um, it's it's it is what it is. But it, there's a whole wide world out there. I had an advisor in my master's degree in my master's program that. He, to drive that home. Yep. Every time somebody said it, it was typically, you know, a, a white student would say America. He yeah. would just stop everything and say, which America? What are you talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> and at first yeah. you're like, what? Why is he making this distinction? We know what it means. It's colloquial. And he's like, no, you need to remember that this is loaded. You know, you need to get that out of your head. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, I love that thought. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting. I try to do it now. I fail. Well, yeah. Don't we all, right? Um <laughs> But it was it was interesting coming back to the states because I was looking at all the all the American things and like separating myself from them like ugh those mm. Americans over there and I'm like oh that's me too <laughs> and so it was this reckoning of like figuring out um, my experiences in Ecuador and it was significant it meant a lot to me but also like oh I had a lot of privilege over there and I um, you know being white like there was a lot of privilege in in that like yeah there was some discrimination I guess somewhat but I mostly was seen as like a rich white girl who mm. wanted to party and blah 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 like it was just like <laughs> they're very st- stereotypical and you knew what they were expecting of you um and it was just it was it was fascinating kind of a turn of roles but i would encourage any student to if they have the opportunity and means and the privilege to go abroad um do it push yourself try something different because um you'll learn a lot about yourself and sometimes that learning you happen in, it happens in the moment and then you reflect on it and you kind of go through a second wave of, mm. of learning and thinking about who you are as someone from the United States um, and uh, what you want to pursue, the privileges that you have, those types of things. So, And even, you know, the, the study abroad kind of, uh, what is it called, situation, opportunities, mm-hmm. call them opportunities. Um, even if you don't have the means or, or whatever at the time, there's all kinds of grants and and stuff that you can get. Now, I'll try to put some stuff in the show notes for students that are, yeah. for anyone that's interested in that. Because, I mean, I never got to do it, and I was really bummed out about that. Mm-hmm. I had never even left the country until two or three years ago when I went to Bolivia with my wife, mm. who's from Bolivia. Okay, cool. And we were there for like three weeks, which is, you know, far far cry from a year. <laughs> you know? But long enough for me to, to get a little bit acclimated and, and get over the initial culture shock and whatnot. Yeah. And, and th- man, it changes how you think about things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even a short amount of time is, is beneficial just to put yourself in a different situation, a different culture, um, a different mindset is really important. And what's good about places like the U of A is that there are resources for students um, to get scho- like travel scholarships or... Yeah. Um, That's what I meant. I didn't mean grants. I meant, I meant scholarships. Oh, no, there's grants, too. Um, there are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I was thinking it, I meant scholarships. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and there's, there's, um, there's faculty who are working to make trips affordable for you and to really... Um, supplement it through additional funding so that you can go to a castle in Paris. This is Dr. Brian Carter. He's a mm-hmm. faculty fellow as well, and he um, asked for a student-faculty interaction grant, and I, it was to take students to, like, a live castle tour in Paris when he goes in the spring during spring break. Too cool. And he does a lot of digital um, literacy stuff, and he does uh, the Renaissance, Har- Harlem Renaissance through virtual reality. Mm-hmm. So anyway. That's, I think that's probably what he's most known for. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So yeah, there's there's opportunities out there for students. It's just kind of a matter of like navigating and finding out where those opportunities are. And um, I, I'm assuming my my contact information will be in the podcast notes. And so please feel free to reach out to me. I'd happily connect you to those yeah, uh, resources. I'll, I'll link to you. And I'll, I mean, I'll link yeah. to everything. Obviously, you know, yeah. I want to yeah. share as much love as I possibly can. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it it, it it makes me think. Um, just there tends to be I've found in all the conversations that I've had on this thing so far, there's a theme, maybe not a theme, maybe just a common thread of the benefit of doing something that's not necessarily doing something that's scary, you know, but doing something that is unknown. And you don't even know if you're gonna like it, you don't know if it's gonna be beneficial, but it's just so foreign to you that jumping in with both feet turns out to be one of the best possible things you can do. And I would I'm agree. Yeah, <laughs> I would say um, there's a lot of things in my life that are are like that. 
Um, and like whether it was choosing to go to grad school when I hadn't had a chance to actually visit the campus or moving to <laughs> Idaho, who I didn't know a soul there, or coming to Tucson. Um, That's what I did with Tucson. Yeah. Didn't know too. a single person here. <laughs> I just moved. Yeah, Tucson was a little different for me because I have family here. Um, fun fact, my mom was born and raised in Tucson, and um, my dad got his doctorate from U of A. Hmm. And so that's when they met, and then um, they moved to New Mexico. So um, when I came to, to Tucson, uh, I was I had a little bit of family here, and I have some family connections. And then, of course, I met my partner, and then his family became my family. Uh, and then all the community directors who run the dorms, it was like an instant um, instant community that I had. So that was really, really awesome. <laughs> it was it was like the exact opposite of my experience in Idaho, and <laughs> which was after Oregon State. So I got my master's in student, in student affairs, and then I went to um, my first position was a live-in staff uh, hall director at, at the College of Idaho, which is in Caldwell. Um, it's about an hour, an, or half an hour from the border of Oregon. Small farming town. It's about half an hour from Boise. Um, and yeah, it was it was a trip. I really love that campus, and I love the people there. They were some of the most kind, genuine, and caring people I had ever met who really cared about students. Um, and what was cool about that campus is because it's so small, you were able to do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats. Um, so even though I was like just a hall director, I was able to do gender-inclusive housing on campus. I was able to implement our interfaith club and room. We created a storage closet into an interfaith um, like spiritual room for mm. anybody on campus that wanted to use that because there were a lot of students who didn't identify as Christian and they wanted a space to pray. So I was like, all right, well, looks like we have this really big empty room. <laughs> Let's make something <laughs> of it. There were a couple of brooms in there and everything. So we can find a new home for the brooms, I think. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was what was really awesome about that campus. Um, it was just, it was so awesome. There were, uh, over 10% of the population was international, so I really got to work hands-on um, with a lot of international students, um, and it, that was just amazing. I loved that job. I would probably do that job for like the rest of my life. Um, but the, instead, you're stuck here with us. <laughs> the problem was, <laughs> I don't want to say the problem, but Caldwell, the town that I lived in, was there wasn't much for a young 20-something. Um, I didn't have much of a life there, and I was wanting more. Um, that my colleagues and coworkers were really amazing, but uh, they had lives, they were already settled down, they kind mm. of had been Idaho people for a long time. And so I was just looking for something uh, that I could have in my personal life because I was working a lot and I loved it. But it was like, okay, I'm ready to be at a bigger school with a little more grad students or more professional, more entry-level professionals. Um, and I started doing the search for um, an exposition and my friend Luke, um, who we went to Oregon State with, he had just gotten hired at the U of A and said, hey, there's a community director opening, think about applying. And I applied and it just kind of like was serendipity. It all fell into place. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I've been here for three years, almost three and a half, it's crazy. I, I moved here in June, 2015, so almost three and a half years. Um, but I started, even though it was a community director, it was like similar title or similar, similar job description from Idaho, I, I can't say how different those experiences were <laughs> because um, I was put into Arizona Sonora Hall, which um, is a big building. It's, uh, at the time, it had 500 residents. Um, half of the building was triples, half of the building was single, or doubles, and uh, they were 70% Greek life students. Wow. Um, and there were 500, 518 year olds. Um, as well as, you know, managing a staff of 16 RAs, a grad student, the, the staff that was there for all the facilities management, but also the cleaning, the custodial staff. We had a desk staff. It was huge. Um, and so... And you, as the director, you're in charge of all of that, or at least in... Uh-huh, yeah. Kind of organizing it all? Yes. I'm not in charge of, like, the maintenance and facilities crew specifically, but I work alongside them. So, you know, okay. if there's, like a flood or something, we work together to mm. like mitigate that issue. Or if someone's room is cold, then you would kind of call <laughs> facilities to Same. go check out the heater. You're in Tucson, yeah. you should appreciate this <laughs> while it's cold. Yeah, so yeah, so that was um, a trip. It was a lot of, uh, it was really fun. They were a really rambunctious group um, and they were all about, um, they're really communal and I really loved about AZSO. I feel like 
there's this persona of this building in people's mind of like, ooh, rowdy party dorm. <laughs> yes, Any and <laughs> yeah, but it's not just that. It was, um, I loved how open the students were to each other, to talking to, they were just like ready to be friends with everybody. Um, and the RAs that I had were really exceptional. So um, it was a good experience. I just was ready at three and a half years of living on campus, including Idaho, to not do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it was a lot of conduct. So I did a lot of, like, meetings with students about, like, why did you rip down the paper towel dispenser? Or <laughs> where is the fountain on from the third yeah. floor? <laughs> why did you punch a hole in the wall? Or you can't smoke in the building? You know, things like that. Yeah. And so... I was finding a lot of my time and energy was being drained because I was having to have those like conversations with students that were just making trouble. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of ready to not do that. I had a, a duty weekend. So as a community director, you take duty and you have a phone and people can call you hmm. from across campus. Um, there's two for this campus of 7,000 on-campus residents. And one weekend I got 123 phone calls from Friday morning to Monday morning. And it had anything you could imagine. <laughs> Any type of issue, uh, drugs, alcohol, domestic violence, party, wh- whatever it was, it was it was in that weekend, and I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Ready to do something else. So yeah, uh, then I kind of shifted gears and I was looking, and um, this position came available, and I had faculty fellows as a site host. I was a community director, and I had faculty fellows in the dorm with me, and. Um, I loved them. They were so wonderful. And just these faculty members who were choosing to spend their time with students outside the classroom just because they like students so much. <laughs> and it's, so it's weird for a faculty member to like students, right? I, I know. I <laughs> it's know. It's such, such an odd thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, what's, what's awesome about the fellows program is a really diverse group of faculty. Um, they're not all tenure track. They're not all research. They're not um, all <clears throat> career track and just um, teaching. It's a real mix. Um, and so... I applied to that job, and again, it was one of those, like, this is happening. Okay, I guess I'll be doing this, and um, it worked out really well. So um, the last two years, I've, uh, yeah, it's been two years. It's been two years since I've been in the position. Um, I've been running the programs, and, yeah, they're they're fun and challenging, and um, the programs themselves, the faculty, are pretty awesome. A little shout-out to my fellows over there. Um, (laughs) But I also oversee a grant program, the Student Faculty Interaction Grant, and I don't think a lot of folks know about that program, but trying to get the word out. I didn't know about it until you mentioned it at Fellows Lunch. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're going to be doing a lot of work on it in the next coming weeks. Um, Well, really this year, we're just kind of reimagining what the SFI grant is, um, and that's with a new supervisor who's really supportive of kind of revamping things and changing it and making it accessible to the masses, um, while also providing more structure to it. So I'm really looking forward to see what we come up with um, and how we can kind of revamp it and make it accessible. So, yeah, it's been good. <laughs> I, I, I love that program. So you, this is your second year, or you, this is like your third year? You've been here two full years, and this is your third in, the in, in this position, yeah. Um, I just hit the two-year mark, so I'm entering my third year. Okay. Yeah. So, so I started in December 2016, and now it's okay. almost December 2018. Okay. Or we started November. Some, yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, does that mean we started at the same time? <laughs> like, you were one year behind me. I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah. You said two years. I'm like, this is my second year. Yeah, like, I've, I've been in the position of two two full years, <laughs> and then I've um, been in the. I'll be entering my third year. So yeah, and there's. Um, the fellows are, like I said, they're a diverse group. There's folks who've been in the program for like 23 years. There are folks who have been in three months. Um, so it's pretty, I, I really like that there's a wide array of experiences, identities, um, you know, expert areas. So it's pretty awesome. There's a lot of um, a lot going on within the fellows program. And, and uh, when I was offered the opportunity, mm-hmm. um, there, a lot of people didn't know what it was basically yeah yeah like even even on my campus they were like what's this thing I yeah. don't understand <laughs> yeah. yeah um so it started in the, was it the 80s yeah it was founded in 1984 so this I mean, it's old it is, is. is there any other initiative like that that's on campus that's that old i'm sure there is but i think this program is unique in the fact that it brings faculty together um for like strictly non-academic purposes yeah. uh and I really like to think of it as like a bridge between student affairs and academic affairs. So academic affairs is like what you do, what classes you take, um, the colleges that you're in, those types of things. And then student affairs is essentially everything else. So it's all the things that you can do on campus, like 
housing mm. or uh, multicultural affairs or leadership programs or you know, student engagement, uh, enrollment management, those are all kind of part of this uh, other area of academic affairs and student affairs. So they, they don't, uh, I think a lot of people don't know that that's a thing. And it is. There's people yeah. from across campus who build their whole careers, <laughs> careers in student affairs. Um, so yeah, it's it's been... It's been around for 34 years, and it started in the Dean of Students, and it started with four faculty members that were stationed in dorms, mm. and they sat in their office, and it was kind of like every other faculty office across campus, where they kind of <laughs> had to do some experimenting and see, like, what does this, mm. what actually works, because me just being here, like, doesn't really do much. Like, I have to be active. I have to go out and see people. Um, or just, or just bring freshly baked cookies sure waft the smell absolutely into the door yeah <laughs> that will bring them yeah from what I understand absolutely yeah and it, it's it's really evolved over the years which is so cool um you see kind of faculty come in and be like I don't really know if I'm doing this right or um you know my first year was a little rough I I have to kind of figure out what works for my team or my site and so um each fellow kind of puts a, their own flavor of what they do for their role as a fellow um and, and we have some that do like uh Make your own burrito night. Sure, yeah. They do everything under the sun. Some go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's like Don McCarthy in Coronado. He always makes s'mores on Monday nights. That's his thing. He walks around with a little cart and he rings a bell, and then the <laughs> students know that he's there because of the bell. It's a routine. It's what they know. Please tell me he dresses up for Halloween like the Grim Reaper and. I don't know if he does. I'd have to ask stalks him. Stalks around the dorm yeah. with his <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to ask him about that. <laughs> yeah. I, feel like it's a, I feel like it's a giant missed opportunity if he doesn't yeah. do that. Yeah, there's also like uh, Fatin Goshen and Ed Prather who are in the Vet Center. So we have uh, faculty fellows at the Vet Center to help um, students who are, are former military. Um, and they do like weekly roundtables with vets. So they kind of just talk to them about what's going on in their world. Mm. How can they connect them to resources? Um, and also just like, what can we do as faculty? How can we support you? Um, and so they've created like a, a, it's called a peer advocate liaison program. So it's like they are kind of coaching other vets to help new vets come in and mm. transition to the institution because that transition from active duty to civilian life is obviously a huge one. Um, and so like, that's just an example of what they're doing. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, each fellow, like, again, they have their own spin. There's a fellow who brings in like a, a chef to teach students how to t- um, cook affordable meals, like how to amp things up. Um, there's a fellow. I I had that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a fellow Ryan Strait who does a podcast to reach <laughs> students where they're at. So, yeah, I really love that. We kind of provide the skeleton, and then the fellows can kind of fill in what do they do, what's their approach, and how can they connect to students um, for their site because. A dorm is just not the same as UA Online or the mm-hmm. Vet Center or the African American Student Affairs. Like they're all different, um, and it would be wrong for me to tell everyone you must do this mm-hmm. this way and that way. Like that's the whole point. It's customizable to the sites and the students that are there. And you know, it it might just be me, but I. It seems rare to find that that kind of program that is willing to just say, "Here's some money." do a thing we trust you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? and and you do a thing and maybe it works maybe it doesn't but yeah. then you do another thing and you s- use the money and and there know. both of those programs are kind of like that my other program is like that too and I, it is unique i think it's very unique that we say like okay we've kind of trained you we, <laughs> <laughs> and you know i always tell fellows i'm like make it fun you do not have to be lecturing like don't don't oh, yeah. don't don't please do not lecture on like renaissance art at 8 a.m <laughs> on a tuesday morning like it's not gonna go well <laughs> as interesting as that may be this <laughs> well, is not that neither the place nor the time yeah like what do you like <laughs> to do what are some hobbies what do you want to bring to the site um so that you can catch students and kind of get them excited about it mm. i have a fellow who um, is really into astrology um and she like reads students charts because who doesn't want to hear about <laughs> their own like identities of oh you're at aries with whatever I don't even know astrology very well but it's it's pretty fun and students like are really active and engaged in those types of things so yeah it's it's really a build your own kind of model of what works best for your students which I really love and I think it's worth it's worth doing a shout out to the site hosts as well oh yeah because we, we couldn't oh do what gosh. we do if it weren't for them there's, absolutely there's, logistically there's just there's no way yeah so yeah I thank you for saying that because um I think it's crucial the fellows program wouldn't be the fe- the program without the site host. And no, so 
We have uh, all those uh, student affairs folk that I was talking about earlier, the people who are not in the classroom, who are not professors. Um, those are the site hosts. Those are my people who um, got their <laughs> degrees in higher education or student affairs and um, are choosing to work on a college campus. And so, um, again, it's all the dorms, so all the community directors, all the people who run the buildings. Then we have all the directors and coordinators of all the specialized centers. Um, and then anyone in between, uh, there's students that help out with it. Um, so, yeah, really couldn't do the program without the site host. Um, and I, I just can't say enough good things about them because <laughs> I was one as well. And sometimes it's a little bit of a thankless job. So I really am trying to work uh, to create some recognition for all the work that the site hosts do to make the fellows program run um, because we couldn't do it without them. Yeah, and that's what was really nice, actually. Um, <coughs> excuse me three episodes ago when I had Jess on mm-hmm. here you know I we <laughs> we met each other at fellows uh-huh. didn't know each other before that and then she was referred to me by Angela Gunder mm-hmm. and then when she came in I was like oh, that's right we're I, yeah okay we know each other from the fellows I didn't even occur to me that that was her sure. for some reason I don't know why um, and then turns out her site host Nikki mm-hmm. was on the next episode Oh, cool. Yeah, so it was, it, was, it was a nice little fellows kind of yeah. uh, back-to-back episode. Kinda yeah, thing. yeah. Again, just thank you for saying that. Like, um, I, I just I'm trying to, like, figure out what we can do to recognize <laughs> fe- the site hosts because they are just so important, um, and we couldn't do what we do without them. So shout-out to all you site hosts out there. Um, thank you. Yeah, and if there's any of you out there that would like to do what Caitlin's doing. Right yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to talk to you because I think that – uh, you, you're exactly right. I think a lot of, beyond just being a site host, mm-hmm. I think a lot of what staff especially do at the university just goes, not unnoticed, but it's it's the effects that are seen and not the work, not the person totally. behind it. 100%. You know? So the student gets their financial aid, fine. Student gets their medical withdrawal taken care of, fine. Mm-hmm. But there's a person behind that. You know, mm-hmm. There's there's someone out there that has to either hit the button or walk across campus or send the email, you know, and I, they don't get enough credit. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. Um, so yeah, there's there's just so much to do and so much to thank um, staff for because they do a lot and the fellows, of course, they put a ton of work in too. But the site hosts are really uh, they make things run. <laughs> they are they the unsung heroes in the background. Yeah, sure. and I, when I think of like my own college experience, I don't know if you feel like this yourself, but I had a lot of staff members um, who really took me under their wing and shaped me and uh, supported me as well as faculty. Right, so like I talked about Dr. Um, ABG and. Dr. Um, Dr. Island, but then also like I had all the community directors that were there for me, advisors, and really directed me to the field that I found today. And so um, there's a lot of research out there. Like, let me just get a little academic about the importance. <laughs> academic on this podcast? Never. I know. Um, the importance <laughs> of student-faculty interaction and just um, how, how important that is um, to help students feel engaged and cared for. Um, and that they uh, want to get involved because someone is is notices them and, and sees them. It sounds so simple, right? That if someone cares about you, you feel like you matter. If someone doesn't care about you, you don't feel like you matter. <laughs> and so, um, and if someone cares about you, then you feel a sense of belonging. You feel a sense of connection to your community, to the U of A. And so, lots of research about that. Um, and I would argue it's the same thing for student affairs too, like um, professionals who really take the time to. To, to get to know you, interact with you, like those are my people and I, I can't thank people enough, <laughs> everyone along my journey, um, for really taking the time to work with me, get to know me, and who still choose to engage with me now. Like, yeah, I'm a, fac- I'm a, a professional, but there's so many people out there. Um, shout out to my boss, Dr. Amanda Kraus, she's amazing. Um, and she's really just invested in me and it makes me want to invest in other people. It's really much like a pay it forward type of situation. Mm-hmm. That's and literally the phrase that just popped in my head. When you yeah. Said, yeah. It's like pay it forward. Yeah. And so, you know, there's just, um, you, I feel like student affairs and universities in general, it's just like a feel good. Like mm-hmm. there, if you feel connected, right, that's the caveat. And we need to recognize like the U of A, the university system in the U.S. as a whole is, is a very privileged place to be. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I recognize my privilege as like a white woman. Like, yeah, I, I've, I have a lot of privilege in that. Um, and just my access to college, like, you know, that my dad had kind of coached me into being this and like 
we had the scholarship that was got me there. Um, but but yeah, if we can help connect and support marginalized populations and minoritized populations to um, cultural centers or to um, a faculty member that looks like them, little things like that, or or doesn't look like them, but just can like help support them or mm. connect them to resources, like it's just so important. And so. Um, Yes, we need to recognize like the privileged base of higher education, but we also, it's our due diligence and it's our job to really connect to students and faculty and staff um, to each other. Um, so yeah, I, I would say one of my passion areas is, is social justice and um, just kind of examining the academy of higher education and what that looks like. Um, and also just looking at whiteness of, of the university because um, again, colleges were built by and for white men mm-hmm. <laughs> um, back in the day, back in the 1600s, 1700s. Um, but we still see those effects today. And so how can we really take that um, and flip it on its head and make it accessible and welcoming for everybody? So I feel like that's another podcast, but... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that probably is a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those, those are my passion areas. And like, as I study, um, like I really have a more critical eye about higher education as as now a, I, I have these five, six years of experience and now I'm going back to school. Like I really want to kind of take my experiences and the experiences I've heard of um, students and faculty and staff so far and kind of apply that to the lens of being a student and examining what higher education is and how we can kind of work to break down those barriers that were built um, for privilege and mm-hmm. how can we make that accessible to the masses. And it's things like making... Uh, UA online a thing like that's more accessible to a lot of people because they live far away or they can't make it to campus they have a child that they need childcare, whatever the case may be um, that's just like one one example of, of things we're doing but also like the cultural resource center is like creating space for people if you look at the U of A it's it's a white space <laughs> even though we're now a Hispanic serving institution which is amazing um, but like it was primarily built uh, on a bigger like I guess, uh, setting for like, for just privileged people. And so now it's like, how are we carving out the space for people who were excluded from the get go? And how do we continue to do that and kind of make this place more accessible and welcoming for, for everybody, more inclusive hmm. and more universally designed. And it's, I mean, I, I don't know how much this applies to, to staff student relationships because it's, I don't think there's the same basis for a relationship there. I mean, it's, it's more, it's more, uh, uh, exchange based. You know, they need something you can provide it. You know. Yeah. But for like faculty, I, I tell students constantly, I'm like, this the best thing that you can possibly do, aside from doing the reading. Yeah. Yeah. Besides <laughs> and, being and a student. Yeah. Bes- besides reading the syllabus and actually doing the reading, <laughs> the best thing that you can do is go to your professor's office hours. Absolutely. Just go hang out with them. You know, mm-hmm. say, hey, do you have a minute? I just want to chat. Mm-hmm. Because I mean that. You build a relationship, you get to know them, and then, I think I might have said this before on the pod, two years from now, four years from now, when you need a letter of recommendation or you need some advice or something like that, sure. if you email that professor, they're probably going to do it. Right. But if you never showed up, you never came to class, the professor doesn't even know who you are aside from a, a user ID or a student number, they're not going to have anything to base that on. You know? Absolutely. And it's, it's all about networking. This connects you with that person. And because 99 times out of 100, even if the faculty doesn't know the answer to your question mm-hmm. or cannot help you with that, they will say, hold on, let me let me write down an email address. Email this person. Sure. Tell them I sent you, and they'll get you what you need. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I don't think there's uh, – it's rare to find someone on campus that you ask them a question and they're just like, nope, can't help you. Bye. Yeah, go away. <laughs> <laughs> not my job, not my, not my circus, not my monkeys. Get out of my office. Right. So I think, um, yeah, that's that's the beauty of, of the U of A. I feel like that's very applicable here as well as a lot of other college campuses is um, people aren't going to leave you astray, but you have to be willing to – make those connections and, and just get over your fear, your initial reaction of like, oh, like my faculty, he's at the front of the room. Like, you know, I'm just a student. Like, no, like they're people too. Go talk to them. And and I do that too. I have to say like, this is not a one and done type situation mm-hmm. where like as a student, I was like, oh, I'm so intimidated to talk to a faculty. I still feel like that. <laughs> and then voila, you're not. No, just kidding. Yeah, I still feel like that as a, fa- as, a, as, a, as a staff member. And I'm sure you feel like that as a faculty that there's just people where you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. they're so fancy, or I don't, I don't, I don't have anything intelligent to say. But at the same time, like, they're gonna embrace you, um, 
And if they don't, then okay, let's go find you someone else to talk to. Um, but overall, like it's all about just making that connection, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Networking feels a little like I, I know, I'm gonna I, I get hate something. The word. Yeah, <laughs> I hate the word, but it's. it's yeah, relationship but, building is, yeah, is so clunky. <laughs> it, is, it is clunky. Yeah. So there's, I just, there's so much inherent value of, of connecting with other people, of building those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's your faculty, whether that's your peers, like ask someone to study with you, that's, <laughs> split yeah. up the reading, like <laughs> work meet, together. Meet at the library. You yeah. don't just sit in, sit in the same study room. You don't even have to help each other. Just be there. Yeah. Just be present. And that will, yeah. it's a huge thing because you, like we said on the way over here, College, the most important thing about college is the experience. Yes. The most important thing about higher education is the experience. I mean, it, the skills that you develop, the, the things that you learn, those are good, and they will help you only if you apply them. The experience mm-hmm. is with you no matter what. Sure, yeah. You, don't, you yeah. don't have to do anything for that to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, like, so many resources. This institution has so many resources for students, um, and I think people know maybe like one percent of what's available to them. Oh, I'm learning about new phone new ones all the time. Yeah, same, same, <laughs> right? And like you've been here six years, I've been here three years. Like we're all learning, right? But um, things like your academic advisor, like go talk to them <laughs> because they can help you and they can keep you on track. So like, you know, if if you walk in your senior year and you're like, I'm going to graduate this semester, but then they look at your transcript and they're like, Oh, you haven't taken math, English, Spanish, <laughs> or that other required class, like. <laughs> And you still have three classes to do, so they're going to help keep you on track. So if you're talking to them more regularly, they can kind of connect you and see, like, okay, um, I know you don't like math, but get this done your freshman year, your sophomore year. So it's not, like, the one hurdle you have to jump over after you finish all of your classes. That is um, that is literally my exact college <laughs> experience right there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's this idea of um, having a growth mindset. You know, I think a lot of people are scared of, like, math and science, right, because those are, quote, unquote, the hard classes. Those are the classes that are going to be the weeder classes, the ones mm. that weed you out. Um, and, like, I can speak from experience like that was my experience with chemistry (laughs) right like if we go back to the beginning of the podcast Mm. but um, there are people who can help you and the think tank has student has like um, tutors and there's also academic success and achievement there around there's so many resources out there for you and it's just like just take it on and just just get it done and I mean (laughs) and from a just purely logistical standpoint for the students you're already paying for it Oh, it's yeah. rolled into your tuition. Totally. Like, you are paying for this. You should use it. Yeah. And that's why I tell students, like, you, you have access to the Adobe Creative Cloud. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you don't need to know Photoshop. You should download yeah. it. <laughs> you know, yeah. You should have this stuff. You should use it because you are you are paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to mention, too, was this idea of, uh, of a growth mindset. Hmm. So, like I said, math and science are scary. But what would it be if you went into a classroom saying, yeah, I can do this. Like, I'm going to get the help and the support that I need. I'm going to study. I'm going to put in the work. Like, I can do it versus being like, oh, no, I have to take math. And, mm. like, putting it off and not really un- taking, like, just really not engaging with the subject until you have to. And then it's too late to study for an exam that's the next mm. day. So what if what if you are good at math? Like, think of it that way. Like, you can <laughs> you can be successful. And you will be successful if you just um, put in the work and the time. But um, I think that's like, it's so critical because it's human nature to go to that negative place of, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. What blah. And I, I do that too. Like, right, we're, we're all human. We all do it. But what would it be if, if math wasn't an obstacle, but it was an opportunity? Mm. And I say that because like, I'm not taking math right now, but, uh, <laughs> but that you, you, you can do it. You can do it, and there are support systems in place to make sure that you succeed. Um, so just get it done. Just, just power through it instead of, like, putting it off because if that's the one class that's holding you back from graduating, like, that's terrible. <laughs> so just try and, try and do it. Do it early. Do the hard things. Face, face them head on. And if you fail once, right, it's okay. Like, you can GRO the class. You can retake it. Um, you can you can recover from it. It's not the end of the world if you fail a class. I failed a class. I failed a couple. So it's like, mm-hmm. and here I am getting a doctorate. So I think it's just it's important to norm- normalize this idea of failure, like absolutely and mistakes. Like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay if you make a mistake. Just learn from it and try not to repeat it. And if you do, okay, what else can you learn from it? And just kind of move on from there. So, yeah, I think that's just really important. And I say that. Uh, as a former student, as a current student, and then as a staff member. And I've also <laughs> taught classes too. And 
you know, I watch students just like flounder because they're just mm -hmm. like afraid of something or they don't want to ask for help. And it's like, no, no, no. If you just asked me help, like I would have clarified this instruction that you've been, and you know, just like thinking about for hours and hours. Like we could have medicated this. You could have just been gotten it done. So just don't be afraid to ask for help, I guess is my biggest takeaway. <laughs> and that's that goes along with what I always say all the time. Your faculty wants you to succeed. You yeah. Know, they, they want you to pass the class. Mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to just give you an A. You know, you're going to get what you earn, but they want to make that happen. They want to support you. They want you to get that help if you need it. You know? Oh, yeah. And even if they can't necessarily be the person to do that, they will point you in directions. This is maybe a, a TA or the, here, make a student study group. Mm -hmm. you know, here's this service and, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So the student support, there is no... There's no shortage of student support. The key, I think, like you said, is is making sure that students know about it. Yeah. They know, know how to get there, mm -hmm. know who to talk to, and not be afraid to ask for help. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly it. That was my final, or th what I was going to fill in if you hadn't <laughs> said it, that like the sports are in place, and now that you're educating yourself, now you just you have to be able to, to take the next step to actually seek those out and ask for help if you need it. So We've all done it. Everyone should, yeah. Everyone should. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it right now as a doctoral student too. You know, I was like, hmm, I don't really know. Let me ask my professor. Or, you know, I'm having a rough week. Like, can I have an extension on this assignment? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Like, it just means I don't have to grade the day. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's. Um, but just really thrilled to to be here and to be on the podcast. I would love to come back. Um, and if I yeah, if I can answer any questions for students or staff or faculty who are listening. Um, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I have a broad network, and I work all across campus, which is unique to um, my position. So, yeah, just, yeah, I don't know if any final thoughts. I'll vouch for you, Galen. What did you say? <laughs> I'll vouch for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that. She's Dr. awesome. Shea. Go yeah. to her. Um, yeah, so I'll put all of uh, everything we talked about virtually in the show notes and everything. So uh, if anybody has any questions about how to get involved, how to, to learn more about the SFI grant, for example. Sure, yeah. Or... Uh, to be interested in being a site host or interested in being a fellow or interested in learning about, you know, who uh, I live here, who's my fellow, yeah. what, you know, how, how can I get involved? I don't know what this is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can all go to you. Please bring it on. <laughs> I'm ready to connect you as we talk about relationship building and building a, a web or a network for the U of A. Like, I'm your girl, so yeah. I will happily connect anyone and happy to just take the time to sit down for coffee if you are looking for a staff member on campus just to ask questions to. Um, yeah, I, I, I love working with faculty, but I also love working with students. So if I can be a resource to any of you, um, do not hesitate to reach out. So. so you heard the one. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> right. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you.